0: Did your paths ever cross since then? Never crossed since then. And I didn't want to because, I mean, what was I gonna say? Hey, Juice, hey, how you doing? Nice murder. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano.
1: At 7.12, some I think most of us who are from here know, right? The guys who made the airplane movies, the Zucker Brothers, they're from here.
0: Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Favorite movie of
1: all time, Vince. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, one favorite one. David and Jerry Zucker, Shorewood High School alums, did the airplanes and then so many other politically incorrect comedies that you probably can't even make right now, much less watch.
2: (laughs) Yeah, don't try that,
1: kids. (laughs) (laughs) Including the Naked Gun films, of course, several of which... Famously starred O.J. Simpson.
0: Give this man some drugs. Quick, can't you see he's in
3: pain? No. Give him a shot, quickly. No. Heroin. Heroin, Frank.
0: No, that's a pretty tall odor. You're going to have to give me a couple of days on that one.
1: (laughs) He's in the hospital bed. So this week we're bringing back a classic with WTMJ Conversations. Libby Collins talked with filmmaker David Zucker about all of it, including having worked with O.J. Simpson
0: you also did naked gun i have to ask you this david oj simpson was in those movies at the time when you were working with him was there any inkling in your interaction that maybe things weren't all that they seemed with him there was no inkling for us i mean he was you know pretty nice guy and i thought he actually improved as an actor with each movie you know, there was one time on the set when I was doing an impersonation of Howard Cosell and, you know, which was about O.J. crying on the phone. And he got angry about that. He said, never happened. I never happened. Really? That's BS, man. I never happened. And that was the only time when I, a kind of a cloud came over. And then I was shocked when the murders happened. I didn't feel good about it. And my phone started ringing. And so I left town. <laughs> I went to New York for a week. Did your paths ever cross since then? Never crossed since then. And I didn't want to because, I mean, what was I going to say? Hey, Juice, hey, how you doing? Nice murder.
1: Special edition of WTMJ Conversations with Libby Collins. She talked with filmmaker David Zucker of Airplane Fame Saturday. We're going to air it tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call him Shirley. Early for a Saturday, but you can pull the podcast as well. That's up at WTMJ.com. Look for WTMJ
0: Conversations. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Offices. One call—that's all. Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide.
4: Tough night for Bucks fans as Giannis scored a season high 54, but committed two late turnovers and a late three to tie was just off the mark for the Bucks as the Indiana Pacers beat Milwaukee 126 to 124.
0: Three—it missed too strong. The long rebound goes out of
5: bounds back to the Pacers with 3.7 seconds to go. They got the shot they were after, but Middleton just. Too much on it.
4: And Indiana is now in the driver's seat. Dave Kane on the call there as Middleton missed that three late to tie the game. And the Bucks, with the loss, fall to 5-3. Giannis, with that 54 points that we just mentioned, he also became the fifth player in NBA history to lose a game with 50 points on 75% shooting. The Bucs were without their starting point guard as Damian Lillard did miss the game with a calf injury. They also lost their head coach Adrian Griffin for much much of the second half as he was ejected early in that third quarter after arguing with an official about a no-call on Giannis. What exactly did Griffin say to the referee?
3: He just had a difference of opinions of what I thought that, um, you know, it was really physical and I thought Giannis was getting... Hit quite a bit, and you know I voiced my opinion. And uh, next time I'll do it in a little bit more delicate way. Um, but it was a physical game, and uh, give them credit—they, you know, they uh, they jumped on us early, and they were able to pull out the win. You're
1: okay with that? <laughs> hey, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I don't want you to get tossed, but sticking up for his guy just reminds me of Bull Durham. Remember? <laughs> yeah. uh, he used a certain word that's a no-no with umpires, folks. <laughs> He's got to (laughs) go
4: next up for the Bucks is a road match road matchup Saturday night in Orlando. The Green Bay Packers are just days away from their week 10 matchup out there in Pittsburgh. After winning on Sunday for the first time in four weeks, quarterback Jordan Love knows this task this week will be a taller one against a much better defense. QB1 speaking this week and how he feels things have gone halfway through the season for he and his offense. I think it's been a lot of highs and a lot of lows you know some inconsistencies um,
5: and I think you know we're continuing to build every week and just try and get this thing going where it's just consistent performance every week um, where we're just continuing to lock in and focus on the plays uh, focus on our details and uh, just going out there and executing but I think we're moving in the right direction for sure.
4: Packers Steelers from Pittsburgh all set for Sunday afternoon with coverage beginning right here in WTMJ at 9 a.m. And lastly, sticking with the NFL as the Bears knock off the Panthers to kick off Week 10 with the Thursday night win by a final of 16-13. to Chicago with the victory improving to 3-7 on their season. And Vince, even with the win, Bears fans letting the world know on national TV where their heart truly lies. Let's just listen to what you're-
0: Year, year,
4: green base <laughs> well, that's not very nice. Bears fans, uh, keeping the rivalry alive, even with the Packers not having the best of year. And maybe there's some facts into that, that chant, you know. But We don't suck. <laughs> but nonetheless, the the,
1: uh, the rivalry still lives in, uh, in Chicago there. Okay, good. We'll see you again soon. 719 on Wisconsin's Morning News. At 722 on Wisconsin's Morning News announced this week a new performance venue managed by Pabst Theatre Group on Milwaukee's east side. Now, Pabst Theatre Group sometimes confuses people. They book shows for multiple venues. So you got Pabst Theatre, obviously, but also the Riverside, Turner Hall Ballroom. They book for Miller High Life Theatre. That's the old Milwaukee Auditorium. And now,
2: Vivarium. Three, two, one. We yeah. I like the sound okay. of the scissor cut as uh, Alderman Jonathan Brostoff, District 3, getting the ceremonial cut at what is going to be called, Vince, Vivarium.
1: All right, so WTMJ's Adam Robertson for uh, Eric this week, and you were at that news conference, right?
2: I was. Uh, all the big players in the local small Milwaukee music scene were out to play at Vivarium. Which, Where are uh, we here? The east side Yeah, uh, if you know Royal and Farwell. So if you're on those two diagonals, very far on the Mm -hmm. east side, it's kind of the lower end, a few blocks north, actually, of another small music venue, which I'll touch on in just a moment. But uh, Gary Witt, president and CEO, uh, he was out there kind of getting things started, talking about the power of independent venues in
0: the city. One thing you could be super proud of in Milwaukee is that 100% of the industry, of the concert business and the small venues that we have, 4,000 seats and under is controlled by all independent venues. It makes
2: a good point. There are so many of these tiny little just 300, 400 seaters in the area, not just Milwaukee. I love X-Ray Arcade, just throwing them a freebie there uh, out in Cudahy. Great place to go see a show in a very intimate environment. And there's so many of these places all over the place, Vince. And the notable thing about Vivarium, I'm emphasizing the name, we'll get to that in just a second, but (laughs) one of the things that's notable about this is it's an all-ages venue. Now, for someone like me, I lived in La Crosse for a decade, and we had a place called The Warehouse, which is an all-ages venue right downtown. Any kid could go there, see a show, not have the aura of, oh, is this going to be a crazy environment that I'm going into. It's a place to feel safe, which, you know, you go to concerts, it can be pretty hectic. And it's nice to feel like you can go to a place and just be welcomed in. And Rostov told me how important it is for the city. There's so many things to do, but sometimes there's not enough for kids who live in the city to do. I think this is just a huge win for Milwaukee's music scene, for Milwaukee's youth, and quite frankly for Milwaukee in general. So just, yeah, like again to the point of you want to have a place to go if you're a kid. That doesn't feel like it's you're being pressured into do things that you don't want to do necessarily. And to his point, kids need more to do in the city. You know, we can have as many beer halls and brewery tours as we want, but if you're 13 or 14 year old and live in Milwaukee, it's like, well, what do I have to do?
1: So, but the, the concern is that I, I continue to have not just with this most recent announcement, Adam. It's something that we've talked about before. Is you know, can all of these venues, you know. Continue to operate, or do they simply end up cannibalizing one another? Here, like, is there enough
2: room for all of these venues? So that's the interesting thing, Vince. So I mentioned the venue just down the street. So this venue Vivarium is replacing the back room at Collectivo. If you just go okay, up the yeah. street a little so, bit,
1: seen a show there. It's
2: basically just taking that venue, picking it up, and putting it somewhere else. Uh, so now the street down the street. You may hear of Shank Hall of course. been around for many, many years. Uh, I actually reached out to their owner Peter, and he seems pretty kosher about it. It seems cool. Like yeah, we're, we are as a small venue collective, basically. We work together and it's not a bad thing. It's a tide that raises all ships, if you will. So he seemed totally perfectly fine with it. I did notice though, some of the TV stations were trying to make this about parking. You know, where are the cars going to park? Well, of course, you have to have a controversy there. Well, naturally, <laughs> that right? reeks to me yes. of a news director saying, "All right, you're going to this thing where everyone's going to be happy, smiles. Find me a problem, right. please." So, uh, to not the po- for nothing, it's tough to park on the east side. It yeah. is. It's very dense, but to that point, like, there's a lot. Also, more so than in other areas, there's things moving through. There's buses. There's lifts. You're not, and it's only four hundred people at max that are going to be in this thing. It's not going to like you have eight thousand people. Congregating on the Lower East Side. What's with the name? So the name Vivarium, I think, hot take, one of the worst names for a venue in history. <laughs> it's ridiculous because it, it's Latin for place of life. And that's nice, but it's also the name of a 2019 Irish horror movie, Vivarium, about these two people, Jesse Eisenberg and his co-actress living in a controlled living environment. Number nine again. Did we just do some kind of loop? How if we just... Want me to drive? Such a Because I think it's not possible. We can't make turns like this over and over. We have gone this way, Tom. Oh my God. Maybe you should have workshopped that one, Gary. <laughs> That's all I'm saying.
1: Mucks head coach Adrian Griffin got thrown out of last night's game. He explains
2: himself coming up in sports with Brandon at 745. One of the favorite things of everyone to debate about, it seems like, is tipping. And it can be a bit confusing at times with new information sharing just how confusing it seems to be.
0: When to tip and how much causing angst nationwide with the divide over which services should get tips at all. A new study by the Pew Research
2: Center saying the confusion has Americans throwing up their hands and closing their especially over recent trends like automatic service fees and suggested tipping amounts printed on their checks. Only 10% of those surveyed said they appreciated the fees and suggestions. 72% saying tipping is expected in more places today than it was five years ago. And those touch screens at takeout spots or other establishments that give a recommended tipping amount? 40% of those surveyed were opposed. Derek Dennis, ABC News.
1: I don't mind the recommended tipping. They've done the math for you, which... Actually, if you can't do twenty percent, that's ten percent twice added up. Like, okay, then we have it's my to understanding. But, that There would be no math. Yes, but so I, I got no problem with that. with The recommendation. I think that you know where the confusion continues to come in is. Say you're just picking up a sandwich at the sub shop, right? Mm-hmm. You're not even eating there. You go there, you order. They bring you the bag of sandwiches. Like, what is you my get out of
2: dodge? Right? Is that an assembly fee? Like, did you put the sandwich together for me? You but you, think- you also don't want to be cheap. Do you think people would be for or against just seeing assembly fee added to their bill instead of, well, it's at the tip. sub
1: shop sandwich assembly fee? Maybe not.
2: <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> 7.38 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Yeah.
1: Planning out the weekend. we are just got the Badgers tomorrow, Northwestern. Nobody talking about that game a moment. Just skip right on over to over, Sunday. Over under for points. Maybe 15? Yeah. Packers play Sunday got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Remember what Packers president Mark Murphy said a couple of years ago? I was at the annual shareholders meeting. Well, here's the reality. We have a lot of noon home games. We're a <laughs> <team>. <laughs> Woo. a great line. Well, we got our third straight noon kickoff this weekend. Well, so then. there you go. Brandon Snide breaks down the matchup in sports next.
0: Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon
4: Snide. The Bucks' three-game winning streak was snapped on Thursday night as Giannis dropped a NBA season-high 54 points in a losing cause as Milwaukee went down 126-124 against the Indiana Pacers. The Bucks having no Damian Lillard in this one. He's still nursing a calf injury. Milwaukee also found themselves down 18 points at one point, and despite an early in ejection in the third quarter as head coach Adrian Griffin argued a no call on his superstar. He was proud of the fight his team showed.
3: I really you know you hate losing Uh, there's no more victories but the way we started the game obviously we can't do that on the road but we easily could have just stayed down but we got back up and we got ourselves uh, into the game with great energy and effort so it was a value and effort from from our team. Just too bad we couldn't pull it out at the end.
4: We mentioned Adrian Griffin, who was tossed, arguing a no call on Giannis. Giannis was also speaking post game on Thursday, who he was also ejected on Wednesday, spoke about what it meant for his coach to have his back.
3: I definitely appreciate that, and um, you know, people that have my back one time, I have their back a thousand times. As a player, it's always good to feel. Uh, Your coach have your back. And, you know, we had the conversation yesterday after the game. I know he has my back. try my best to have his back, too.
4: The Bucs will look to rebound Saturday night when they take on the Magic in Orlando. To the NFL, where the Packers are just a couple of days away from their Week 10 matchup in Pittsburgh, where they will look, look to make it two wins in a row. One way to accomplish that? including running back Aaron
5: Jones. Yeah, I mean, I think just his presence out there on the field, you know, the the defense has to account for him at all times. Um, they got to know where he's at and uh, what he's doing. Um, But like I've said before, he's he's a playmaker. You know, the more we can get him the ball, the better. Um, Then obviously just for the team, you know, he's he's one of our leaders out there, one of our best leaders. Um, And... Yeah, he's he's a great guy. I mean, everybody feels the juice when he's out there. and I think the defense does as well.
4: Jones has been a full participant this week in practice, as has receiver Christian Watson and defensive lineman Kenny Clark. After missing practice earlier in the week, guard John Runyon Jr. in tackle Josh Nyman also returned on Thursday. On the flip side, no Jair Alexander and no Quay Walker for the pack. The team fully preparing to have have neither of them play. On Sunday, coverage of Packers Steelers will begin right here on WTMJ Sunday morning beginning at 9 a.m. And lastly. Busy, busy weekend in Madison that begins tonight. A tough test for the Badgers men's basketball team is all set for tonight. The number nine ranked Tennessee Volunteers scheduled for an 8 p.m. tip-off over at the Kohl Center. And come Saturday afternoon. A visit from Northwestern for Luke Fickle and his 5-4 and four Badgers. Kickoff for that. We'll call it Big Ten Clash is set for...
2: <laughs> Yo, something's got to give.
4: Something's got to give. <laughs> what do you make of Badgers basketball this year? I, I, no idea. Uh, A.J. Store is a fun story. He's the transfer that they got okay. going into this year. So that's exciting. I mean, they got a tough schedule, uh, which obviously that starts tonight with Tennessee. Tennessee's no... Uh, the Vols. No, yeah, they'll, they'll be good. So, you know, it'll be... it's it's. Tough to tell. It's early, but their schedule's challenging. And, a- and the year they had last year, they-, they definitely need a rebound.
1: Yeah, and obviously Marquette expected to be very good. You know, Marquette, uh, what they do every year is the years that they, they either come out of nowhere mm-hmm. where nobody was looking for them and all of a sudden win the Big East, mm-hmm. or they're highly touted and then they end up coming up short. Hope that's not the case this year, because I think we're, ranked, what, fifth or so thereabouts? Well, the football season we have had in Wisconsin, Vinny, basketball season needs that's to cool. be... Exciting and something to look forward to. No doubt. 747, Mark Tauscher joins us next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Idea Man.
5: When one of your kids is in third, fourth, or fifth grade, do you always know what grade they're Innovative. in? There's no way Sarah would ever have to ask that question, and I felt horrible that I did, and I probably should have just not asked. Is that a really bad thing, or just has that ever happened to you guys?
0: And Packers Hall of Famer. I think you should know the grade, I, yeah, I Tausch, say, right? It's <laughs> time for Tausch on Wisconsin's Morning News, presented by your Wisconsin Chevy dealers. Mark
1: Tausch from Wisconsin's Morning News is sponsored by your southeastern Wisconsin Chevy dealers. Did you watch the Thursday nighter, Tausch?
5: Uh, I watched a little Check bit of it. it, I think. Yeah, I checked in on it, but I legitimately was trying to think of a time there was a worse uh, a worse primetime standalone alone game. Oof. <laughs> and I think we'd have a hard time fi- finding which game that would be.
1: You see, it was the 1-7 uh, Panthers against the were they 2-5? and 2-7 and, seven two and seven before Bears. the game, yeah. Okay, Bears ended up winning that one, but Brandon was playing this sound from the game where at some point as the Bears were locking up that victory, this is their fan base in Chicago. Let's
5: just listen to what you
1: The that's right, they're staying Green Bay thoughts. That was a- that was after
5: the game. <laughs> oh, that was the post
4: game show that they were taking <laughs> over. So the game was over. Was,
5: they already had the win. <laughs> Brandon, was somebody uh, from Green Bay on the set? I do not or believe so. What no, was your
4: typical uh Thursday night crew? Richard Sherman so, Andrew Whitworth. Yeah, this
5: tells you this tells you a lot. Yeah, you know, normally stuff happens and you kind of are like, Oh, that's cute, that's kitschy. But Bears fans just got a great win. Now, granted, you could say whatever you want. They're three and seven with a with their backup quarterback, but more importantly, they won to keep the number one overall pick because their pick is now only has one win, and they have to keep Carolina at one win. And instead of thinking about all that, what's on top of mind? for the Chicago Bears fans after a win on Thursday night not against the Green Bay Packers there wasn't some Packer uh, announcer that was doing the game for Amazon none of that and what's at the top of their mind on a season that we're having that's disappointing (laughs) we're not the big dogs this year what are they chanting after all of that Packers suck that's what they got (laughs)
1: I kind of like, like it.
5: <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know about the where, where the Chicago Bears are as a franchise. And if I'm a Bears fan and I hear that, that doesn't bring a smile to my face. It makes me sad. It makes me really sad. I enjoyed it. Like
1: it tells me, like obviously we're top of mind for them, and we still won that first game. And I look for forward... is that last game of the year again? Or it we... is? Yeah, it, is. it is fantastic. Yeah. Okay, fellas. I mean, we'll see you. We'll see you up here.
5: Yeah, I I just I, – I got a hard time. It's a proud franchise. Uh, they've obviously had some tough times, and they're going to probably get a whole nother round of coaches. I, I don't know what they'll do personnel-wise, but they're going to end up probably with a new quarterback. I think they made a wise trade last year, and obviously to position themselves to get there. And all you have – after all that, is to sit there and do that. It, from a Packer fan standpoint, we should enjoy the heck out of it. Because, as you said, Vinny and Brandon, that that is just, you guys can't get us out of your heads. <laughs> and in a time where we're struggling as a fan base here, you know, of trying to figure out how can we go score points against Pittsburgh, and I can assure you, if we're not playing the Chicago Bears, I don't think our fans are going to start a chant of the Bears still suck. I could be wrong. I hope we don't ever get to that point, but that's basically what we saw, and I did not see this. It As someone from a Packer fan standpoint, I think it is absolutely awesome that that's what they were doing. <laughs> Me
1: too. Let's talk about uh, Sunday. So we got another noon kickoff, this one in Pittsburgh, 1 p.m. Eastern, if that helps you. I would feel so much better. I was just thinking about this. We come into it, Tausch, at 3 and 5, and I'm thinking, man, if we were 4 and 4... And that's only one game difference how different that would feel going into this week.
5: Uh, Yeah, it does. But I think with this team, uh, it's just different. We're so accustomed to playoff pushes and where we're at you know, leading the division. Are we a game back? And I think with that stretch that we had against the Raiders and the Broncos, it reset my expectations. I think we got out to that fast start beating the Bears and then having the Falcons on the ropes where we could have been 2-0, and I kind of changed my mindset a little bit, but I actually think while they're 3-5 and right now, if you can find a way, and by the way, Pittsburgh's offense is not very good. Our defense is playing at a pretty good level. It ain't going to take some miraculous effort to go out to Pittsburgh and win. Now, we're going to have to play cleaner, and we're going to have to do some things on offense, but I'm not going to be shocked if we're talking here on Monday morning and saying, "Uh uh-oh. Packers just beat the Bear, or the Steelers. We're 4-5, and, and all of a sudden, you see that terrible team, the Carolina Panthers, they're on the schedule yet. Bears are on the schedule. Giants are on the schedule. And all of a sudden, I think the conversation can take a big turn if things can go well on Sunday.
1: Jim and Vinylak just texted in and said, we chant the Bears still suck in the concourse after every game. So, <laughs> okay. I've been at every Packers game this year. I've never heard, you haven't it. heard it. I've never heard it. Almost. And uh, Joe Gable okay, texted well. it. Joe just texted it. Maybe the Cubs' new manager was at the Bears game, and that got things started. Uh, Ooh, dagger. Uh, oh, burn.
4: Too soon.
5: Burn. Hey, Vinny, do you guys think – we had this conversation on the sh- on our show yesterday. Does Craig Council ever take the Hiawatha at any point between Whitefish Bay and Chicago? Do you think he never rides it one way ever in this five-year period of time? Um –
1: no, I could see him on a on a late nighter back to Milwaukee. Somebody come pick me up downtown. I'm coming home, you know. Overnighter and I'll head back tomorrow morning.
5: Brandon's no. You have no you think there's no chance Brandon? No way.
1: Hey man, even if you're in no. a limo, you still got to sit in
4: traffic. What
5: time? <laughs> I mean, he's time, got forty million dollars. Does he have to sit in traffic? People think he's gonna helicopter <laughs> back and forth. I think that's crazy talk. Like, he's not choppering back and forth. Yeah,
1: that's still hard to line up. I don't care how much money you got. It is. We'll it talk is. again on Monday, Taush. Has...
3: The the they really really